first I have to quell the rumors that I'm being considered for the papacy. <laughs> those, those rumors are mostly unfounded. Whenever a cardinal calls the office speaking excitedly in Italian, I just tell Carol to tell him I'm in a meeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, you should pray for a good pope. We all should pray for a good pope. When I say a good one, I mean a progressive one. One who would open the windows of the Roman Catholic Church and speak boldly to the world about what really matters. The health of the planet, the rights of women and children, poverty, human rights, in the developing world and the spiritual challenges of wealth and technology. A relevant pope. For a good pope would raise the image of all Christians in the world, not just his own church. There have been three strikes in the Christian household. The first was in our household, the household of so-called mainline Protestants, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Methodists, Presbyterians, Reformed churches, Congregationalists. We began to be progressive, to deal with realities, to engage with the modern world. We tried to be relevant But in our relevance and our progress and our modernism, we often lost sight of our core. We quit reading the Bible, praying, worshiping, and serving. We quit standing up to the world when it was in error. We became wishy-washy. Let's tell the truth. Lent is a time of repentance, after all. Many of you in this congregation have gone on bus tours to Southern California, tours which included a stop at the Crystal Cathedral. I remember in the 1980s when its pastor, Robert Schuller, published a book on the Beatitudes. You know the Beatitudes. Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Pretty sobering statements. Robert Schuller's book was entitled The Be Happy Attitudes. The Sermon on the Mount, which in the 1930s caused Dietrich Bonhoeffer to mourn the state of his own church and to call upon others to join him in living a more sacrificial life. 
In the 1980s, the Beatitudes were turned into a self-help manual. Robert Schuller was a pastor in the Reformed Church, Mainline. Mainline Protestants scooped up his books. This morning, when his flock gathers at the Crystal Cathedral, they gather in a building that they rent. It was foreclosed on a couple of years ago. The Crystal Cathedral is the symbol of what has happened to our churches in mainline Protestantism. The first strike in Christianity. Our troubles were brewing in the 1970s, accelerated in the 1980s, and continue today. While our troubles were being reported, fundamentalist Protestants and their megachurches flourished, and they ridiculed us. They gave out simple answers to life's complex problems. They were clear about black and white, and they weren't afraid to become involved in politics. It was only a few years ago that their precipitous decline began. Their cozy relationship with politicians and political parties has created a huge backlash, not just against them, but against all Christians and organized religion, including us, and a backlash against the entire Republican Party, which has won the public vote for the White House only once in the last quarter century. The terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, jolted America into an awareness of the dangers of extreme fundamentalist religion. And it wasn't just the image of Osama bin Laden that concerned Americans. It was the image of Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson telling the nation that the attacks were God's punishment for America's moral depravity. Jesus deals with a matter like that in today's gospel. Something bad happened. Something else bad happened. And some people were saying that it must have been God's punishment on people who deserved it because they'd done something bad. And Jesus says twice, no. And so that's the second strike against Christianity. The know-it-all fundamentalists lost credibility, lost members, and lost numbers, uh, lost money, dragging the name of Christ and Christianity down with them. Ugly facts. But this is Lent, a season of repentance. And the third strike, lastly, in our country, is the Roman Catholic Church, It still has many members, thanks to immigration from Latin America and Asia. Unfortunately, it can't recruit enough priests, not here, not in Europe, not in Latin America. And the cover-up of the sexual abuse of children by priests has undermined that church's credibility and reputation. 
to say nothing of its finances. And whole parishes, whole dioceses are liquidated to pay for damages awarded in the civil courts. The largest segment of the Christian household is going to select a new pope. And I pray that it will be a good one. Because the world's largest religion, Christianity, needs a better image. Particularly in a world in which the fastest growing religion is Islam. In the world, the fastest growing religion is Islam. In America, the fastest growing religion is nothing. The so-called nuns. Not nuns like Sister Mary Teresa, but N-O-N-E. None of the above. Nothing, nada. They believe in God, the Poles say. They believe in spirituality. They believe in heaven. Sometimes I think they'll believe in anything at all. I wish I could say that secular America is a success, but it is a disaster. This is Lent, a season of honest reckoning. You have your opinion. My opinion is that the fact that the old American dream is ever harder to attain for an ever-dwindling number of of families is at the root of so much bitterness, factions, self-centeredness, and short-sightedness. In our politics, yes, but also in our culture, in our relationships. And either America is going to have to fix that which I hope we Americans can do, or America is going to have to develop new dreams, new ideals for itself, which it will never be able to do without healthy churches and and healthy denominations and bold and brilliant Christian leadership. So I am praying for a good pope and their tradition. I'm praying for a new reformation in our historic Protestant churches. And I'm praying for another great awakening among the American revival churches. And if I could give the new pope and the new reformation and the next great awakening a single text to take to the American public. It would be our words from Isaiah this morning. Ho! Which sort of means hey, but Diane was telling me the reader, she escaped. There she is. <laughs> she looked it up, I didn't. But she says it's a, it's a, a word of warning. It's a hey, listen up. This is important. Pay attention. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Are you bankrupt? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Come, buy wine and milk 
without money and without price. We don't check your credit rating. God's grace is free. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? That's the message that only the church can ask America. And only a credible church can ask America, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Working harder and harder for less and less with more toys and more distractions, an epidemic of obesity and less joy, who will say to America and to Americans, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And who will say to America and to Americans, listen carefully to me, listen carefully to me, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love. In this season of Lent, remember that God needs a healthy and strong church, a credible church, a wise church, a church that inspires, a church that tells the truth. But he needs that not for the church's sake, but truly for the sake of his whole world. Amen.